welcome to the Zen Founder Podcast. This is a place where we have conversations about mental health and entrepreneurship. We have a pretty broad conceptualization of what mental health means. Sometimes depression, anxiety, sometimes relationships or physical health. The goal here is to bring some calm into the crazy roller coaster of ups and downs that is life for many entrepreneurs. I'm your host, I'm Dr. Sherry Walling. I'm a clinical psychologist and an entrepreneur, married to an entrepreneur, live in the world of entrepreneurs, and I'm so pleased that you have joined us for this conversation. I read about Tony Jay's death during an early morning Twitter scroll on my phone. It's pretty unusual for me to start the day that way, so I read the news about his death while Rob was still sleeping next to me, and I sort of was waiting for him to wake up because I wanted to talk to him about it. I know he had followed Tony pretty closely over the years and was really interested in his unique combination of entrepreneurial genius and philanthropy and urban revitalization. These were things that we paid a lot of attention to during a season of our lives, uh, the time that we lived in Fresno in Central California, which is one of those California cities that has really struggled as an urban center to attract technology and innovation. So we were so curious about Tony's success in Las Vegas and the development of his initiatives to try to bring more technological businesses to revitalize downtown Las Vegas. So we were fans. He was someone that we watched peripherally and, of course, definitely customers of Zappos. (laughs) I might have a slight thing for shoes. Tony was a household name around our house. We loved the innovativeness of his company and were taken with the mission-driven direction of some of his non-business activities. So on that early morning when I learned that Tony had died... It felt a little bit like losing someone that I knew peripherally or maybe a friend of a friend, losing someone that I had a a sense of who they were as a person, of how they thought, of how they approached the world. I'm genuinely sad that he's gone. And I think as I sit down to record this podcast, I have a a little sense of, oh, here we are again, whether it's Aaron Schwartz or Kate Spade. Anthony Bourdain, even Robin Williams. Once again, we're having a conversation about a brilliant world-changing mind. The life of a human ended way too soon at the hands of self-destruction. Once again, we're reminded that no one is invisible. No amount of financial wealth or prestige, success, power, accomplishment, achievement, perhaps even no amount of relationships, peripheral relationships, guarantees our immunity from self-destruction. Now, I never met Tony personally, so I absolutely have no great insight into uh, what was happening with him. But the peripheral reports from friends and family members certainly paint a picture of someone who, in the last year of his life, was on a deeply destructive path. Reports of alcohol addiction, other substance abuse, and increasing isolation, especially after stepping down as CEO of Zappos. At least at this point, there's no indication that Tony's death was intentional. Perhaps just the accidental byproduct of a slow-burning self-destructiveness that in one way or another, would eventually claim his life. When these stories happen, and my God, they happen way more often than I wish they did, but when these stories happen, I feel like 
I'm sitting in a, in this case, proverbial room in a conversation where people are scratching their head and sort of saying, how did this happen? He had everything going for him. He had all of this and all of that. And I guess I'm increasingly confused about why people are confused. Don't we know by now that all of us are in some ways vulnerable to self-destruction? All of us are in some ways vulnerable to making choices, to falling into ways of being and ways of thinking and ways of living that can bring about our own demise. All of us are in some ways vulnerable to addiction, to getting lost. All of us are vulnerable to suicide. Please let's not be surprised by that anymore. Please let's recognize within ourselves, within our colleagues, within our friends, within our spouses, within our children, that very deep-seated human fragility that makes it possible for all of us to self-destruct. Of course, it's possible that people like Tony would be more vulnerable, that the stars that burn the brightest, so to speak, have the greatest explosivity, that it's these brilliant out-of-the-box minds that have the most difficulty living in the day-to-day ins and outs of reality of life in the world. Although we don't have clear data on this yet, I, I do think that as our research improves and we have more clarity, we will see some trend toward the likelihood of suicide or self-destruction more prevalent among entrepreneurs, among rule breakers, and people who don't really color in the lines. It's that unique, innovative brilliance that allows people to forego common assumptions, but can also make them vulnerable to the common assumptions that help to stabilize and connect them. Tony is one of many stories of someone who began to spiral downward, and he was too isolated too far into addiction, perhaps too powerful in his own individuality to be able to rein it back in or for anyone to be able to get to him. Again, I don't know the details of his particular story, but I interact with these stories all the time. In June of this year, I lost a very close friend to suicide. His name was Michael, and he was my office mate during my postdoctoral fellowship at the National Center for PTSD in Boston. Michael was a brilliant psychologist. He was one of those people who was extraordinarily emotionally intelligent and also a stats genius. So he was very popular among the researchers and the people that I worked with at the National Center. Michael and I shared this really teeny tiny office and so much so that I had to like squeeze my belly all the way up against my desk in order to create room for him to walk behind me to his desk And it could have been a recipe for disaster, but thankfully he's patient and kind and I did my best to pretend to be patient and kind and we got along really well, trading music recommendations, taking turns selecting the playlist for the day, and of course sharing the responsibility of filling those coffee cups with our long trek down the hall to the intern kitchen. Michael went on to be a celebrated professor. He had children. He was running 5Ks. He was getting healthy. There were lots of wonderful things in his life. And from the outside, you would never, ever think that there was any self-destructive capacity there. But the thing that landed with me when Michael died was this really deep knowing that this too could be me. 
that we were similar enough, that our trajectories were similar enough, that we read the same books and had the same friends and saw the world in similar ways. We had many of the same assets, things going for us, resources, both bright minds and promising careers, people that we loved and loved us. And it hit me like a ton of bricks when he died that there's just not very much difference between he and I. And it could absolutely be me, change a few of the variables around, and I would be the one not to be here. So can we please stop being surprised? Can we please begin to be more honest, to open our eyes to the destruction that lives within each of us? Can we please stop pretending that someone who's wealthy and has done well is in some way superhuman and immune from the kind of hopelessness and pain and sorrow that brings about destructive choices and destructive realities? Once we tell the truth about how vulnerable we are, once we tell the truth that some days we ourselves are a few tweaks away from our own demise, then we can get way more serious and proactive about how to make sure that that doesn't happen. Our warning systems in our own minds can be way more sensitive to our own leanings into isolation and loneliness. When those alarm systems are well attuned, they remind us, oh my God, it's been too long since you've laughed with your friends. It's been too long since you've had a hug from your significant other. It's been too long since you told the truth about how you were feeling and really reached out to someone who can say, hey, I get it. I'm with you and I care. When we are honest about our own brokenness and our own capacity for self-destruction, we stop walking around under this pretense of invincibility and start being really, really careful with our own inner selves. We refuse to live in isolation and loneliness. We refuse to feed that beast within us that says, one more drink, three more drinks, five more drinks. I really would not like to be so present here tonight. When we are honest about our own vulnerability, we get way more comfortable with words like help, support, need. We have to do something different. The suicide rate has gone up 30% in the last 20 years. The suicide rate has gone up even more in the last year with the isolation of COVID. In some communities like where I live in Minnesota, the rate of drug overdose has gone up 30% in the first six months of 2020. The reasons to be in desperation are growing all around us. The loss of income, the loss of hope, the loss of dreams, the loss of plans. And of course, the loss of the ability to be with other people in the way that we are used to and the way that feels best to us. So my friends, we are all vulnerable right now. Self-destruction is close by. It lives in each of us. Maybe it's more dormant or it's a heavier sleeper inside of you, but don't walk around with the delusion that you don't have that capacity. It's there. Tell the truth about it so that you can be so careful to make sure that it stays dormant. For most of us, the only real difference between us and Tony Shea is that Tony Shea had billions of dollars. We're made of the same kinds of cells, the same kinds of pains and heartaches, loneliness, loss, impulsivity, 
that's all shared between us. If you're a longtime listener to the podcast, you know that I lost my brother to suicide about 18 months ago. And so to have that kind of loss come that close, of course, changes the way that I see the world. It changes the way I see my work. But it wasn't until Michael died, somebody who was so closely a peer of mine, that I really began to see myself differently, that I began to really see and understand my own vulnerability. And I think that that's served me well. I think that I'm more careful with the painful parts of myself than I was before. I hope a story like Tony's or a story like Michael's will help you also be extraordinarily tender and careful and aware of the painful places that live inside of you. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks with a new episode of the podcast. In the meantime, feel free to check out zenfounder.com for lots of resources about the kinds of conversations that we have on the podcast. You can get information about working with me, about maybe joining a Zen tribe. It's sort of like a mental health boot camp for entrepreneurs. We also have lots of content on our blog, links to resources in our courses and books for sale. So check us out there and we hope to provide anything and everything that you might need to make the entrepreneurial life a little bit easier.